This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode number 96 of Good Humans Podcast. This is a very, very special episode with Nina Kennedy. Big thank you to our sponsors, Drink Rapper, always taking care of this podcast. Brain Performance, all about neuroscience, all about taking care of our brain. So it's a short-term brain performance, long-term brain health uh, drink. They also have a few other products. If you use the code GOODHUMAN on their website, you get a massive 25% off. Go check it out. Look at the science and, yeah, get involved. Also, today is very exciting. Today, if you're listening the day this episode comes out, it is Good Friday. And we, or the Good Human Factory, which is all me, has just dropped our most exciting merch range yet. It's called the Change Your World merch range. And I want to tell you a bit why I created it. I kind of felt like, oh, what am I doing in the world to actually have an impact and change the world and felt a bit insignificant. And then I started to think like, I don't need to change the world. I just need to change my world. And that was what I had in mind when creating this merch line. I wanted to create products that when people walk past it, they smile, they think, they reflect about things they're grateful for, about being kind to their mind. And yeah, by purchasing the merch, you're joining this community of people, of good humans who are out there trying to change their world. So every time you wear it, you're going to get someone compliment you, you're going to get someone subconsciously walk past and be a little bit happier because of wearing our merch. And yeah, it's a pretty good feeling when you know you can change your world for the better. So go check out the merch. I've got a new designer that's helped me actually make some really cool stuff this time. If you use the code PODCAST, you do get 25% off the merch. It will be in the show notes. I've put a lot of time and energy into this. And yeah, it's a way for the podcast community who follows Good Humans Podcast to get involved, to spread that message that the Good Human Factory is all about changing our world, taking accountability, doing the little things right, from smiling at a stranger to picking up a bit of rubbish to writing a gratitude note to a friend to just wearing our merch and somebody walking past and their day being better because you chose to wear that so you can feel good for wearing it. So head over to the website, check it out. Tell me what you think of the new designs. I would absolutely love if you could, yeah, let me know what you think of it. All right, today, Nina Kennedy, far out. This girl is an absolute legend. I was hit up by her management um, and they said, would you like to have a chat with Nina? I checked out what she did. She's a pole vaulter. And I was like, hell yeah, I would. I've never actually met anyone who's a professional pole vaulter or even really anyone in the athletics world. So she came over to my house at Mermaid Beach. We caught up and far out. We got along so well. Straight away, we just clicked and connected on like an athlete level. And also on some things that we had a lot of crossover crossovers where I really struggled with my identity, didn't really know who I was outside of surfing in my junior career and up until my early 20s. And she said she felt the exact same way. And she had some really interesting um, mishaps, I guess, and things along her career that were quite difficult from missing out on a spot in the Olympic team in Rio to her family going over to watch because they already bought tickets. And then, yeah, she's had a stellar career since then world junior champion, um, gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games, ranked second in the world currently in pole vault. And yeah, big hope for Australia to bring home a gold medal at the Paris Olympics coming up in a few years. So you're going to love this chat. If you enjoy it, please make sure you hit like and subscribe on this podcast. I really want to get this out to so many people. Give us a five-star rating. And the most important thing, if you enjoy the episode, please share it with a friend, send them a message. It's so easy to share with them. And once again, it's all about you changing your world, sharing positive things, sharing bits of information that are going to help you, but also help the community around you and make your world a little bit better. So share it around. Let's jump into this chat. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast. Nina Kennedy, how are you going, Thank Nina? Thank you, Cooper. Yeah, I, um, I'm really good. I'm like stoked to be here. This setup's like really epic. It's so good. <laughs> you, you're being far too kind to me. We are in my bedroom, which is also my podcast <laughs> studio. Um, but it's really exciting to get to know you. We only met about 10 minutes ago yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think we kind of straight away got along quite well. Yeah. I feel like we have very similar mindsets and also being young Australian athletes, getting to represent the country. Mm. I feel like we're going to have a lot to relate on. So I, yeah, I was listening to some of your podcasts, like coming here and I was like, oh my God, we're literally the same person. So like, I'm really cool to like connect. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, I think this will be the start of a good friendship. So nice. <laughs> I guess to quickly let the listeners know who are you and what yeah. do you do? Um, I'm Nina, like you said, Nina yeah. Kennedy. I'm 25 and yeah, I'm just like a chick like living out her dreams. Like literally I 
pole vault. So that's in the sport of athletics, track and field. And I don't know if many of your listeners would like know what pole vault is, but like... I think everyone knows what pole vault is, but doesn't know too much about it. But today they're going to learn a lot about it. Okay. So like Steve Hooker, like that's what yeah. comes to mind when like I think of pole vault. So yeah, I pole vault. Um, I've been to the Olympics. I've been to two Commonwealth Games, um, two world champs and... Gold yeah. medal at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, got... I'll throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hold the Australian record, which is something that like I'm super proud of. Like I'm the best that you know Australia has ever had. So I think when I say it out loud, I'm like, fuck yeah, like go me. Good so idea. that's just like a little bit of yeah, what I do. Well, let's catch up to the story that's got to you to where you are today. I guess probably the best way to describe pole vault is high jump, but with a stick. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you nailed it. You you should have done my intro for me. And I'm going to ask you so many questions about this because it just fascinates me, like the reality that you're living with your sport and how much you'll know about it because all my friends are all different sports. So it just fascinates me getting to know. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions that will be super stupid to you. I know, it will be, won't it? (laughs) Yeah, but but for the audience, like you said, people might not know too much about it. So we're going to catch back up to that. But the first question I open the Good Humans podcast with is, what are you grateful for right now? Oh, I love that question. So thanks for answering that. I mean, asking that. Um, I'm super grateful for literally like what I do so I live in Perth and I'm just over in Brisbane for a training camp so I'm just grateful that I literally get to like travel the country travel the world like and just have experiences that I guess like the everyday person wouldn't get to have like I drove up to your house and it's like on the beach and I'm like fuck yeah like this is awesome Mm. so yeah I'm super grateful for that what about you am I allowed to ask no no absolutely (laughs) a few people ask me that I love that um and I've answered this kind of similar quite a lot recently but I'll give you this. I'm grateful that I get to have these conversations. Like, I feel like not many people get to meet somebody new Mm. and sit down for an hour and get to just have a conversation with them, get to know them. And almost every one of my guests has become at least an acquaintance, but usually a friend because I think it's pretty special getting to know people. So that's something I'm really great. I mean, this will be like close to episode 100, I think. Mm. So that's like 101 to an hour and a half conversations with people that not many people get space to share. Yeah. So that's, that's what so I'm grateful awesome. for. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> also, what I do at the start of episodes, I have this sponsor, Drink a Rapper. Obviously, in, as an athlete, you're very into taking care of yourself. I'm going to say I'm 99.9% sure it's got nothing that you're not going to be able to have in it as an athlete that probably gets tested, <laughs> Can I'm I get sure. that in writing, please? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's just a brain drink, all natural ingredients. This one's a little bit fizzy, so I nice. drink this instead of fizzy drink now, but... Cheers, I'll see what you think. And if you so like good. it and you find some benefits, Cheers. I'll send you some. Ding. They're legends. Black currant. I love black currant. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Mm. I love that. It's really nice. It's so good. Yeah, and it's good for your brain. It's all clinically um, proven. Millions of dollars worth of clinical studies have gone into it. I've oh. had the lead neuroscientists and stuff on the pod. Mm. And yeah, we'll enjoy it as the awesome. podcast goes through. So. My podcast does have usually a bit of an order to it. It's kind of chronological, getting to know your story, catching up to where we are today and the amazing things you are achieving. But I want to get to know you, how we got to where we are. So let's go back to the start. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah. What was life like? Let's call up until high school, like family dynamics, yeah. the energy of the life you were living. Nice. I love that question. Um, I was born in a coastal town, Bustleton. Um you know, 30 minutes from Marg's, Marg River. We were just talking off, off air that you'd like won, what, under 14? I won under 16 Australian oh. title in Margaret River. Awesome. I was, so yeah. I love that. Like, I grew up down there. My house in Bustleton was literally on the beach, no footpath, no road in front of where I live. Like, the beach was my backyard. Um, so I lived there until I was like seven. Um, what else? We had a family farm in Margaret River, like just a bush block where we would camp, ride motorbikes. Um, My parents have this like epic organic orchard there. And as kids, we just used to like slave away on the orchard. Like that's like kind of like a lot of my memories. Um, And siblings? Yep. I have two brothers, one sister, they're all older than me. So the baby. I was such a big baby. So mum had me when she was 45. Wow. So I was a big surprise, she likes to say. So yeah um old brothers and sisters I was always the baby they loved me so yeah we traveled around Australia in this like epic bus like think of like the biggest bus you can think of 
that's what we went around Australia in. No way. How old were you yeah. when you did that? So I think I was like three or four. So I had like snippets, but I think that just really just shows like my childhood was camping, like Kakadu, um, Karajini, Uluru, like, uh, um, what's the bike called? The Nullarbor. Like we oh. just done like so many trips like that, just like camping and like having the best time with my cousins. So I think that was like a lot of my childhood was like outdoors and like adventures. And I think it kind of ties really well into like what I do now, which is like seeking adventure and like that adrenaline. So mm. yeah, that's a bit about my childhood. Epic. What about what sort of values do you feel like your family instilled in you from a young age? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I probably have only, like, realised this, like, looking back on my life recently and in hindsight, right, but, like, connection to the land, like, where I am, what I'm doing, like, nature, adventure, and then I definitely, like, love and connection with, like, my family and friends, right? You can do all that fun stuff, but, you know, it's just ten times funner with your friends and your family there, Mm. so they're, like, two really main ones. I love that. So, seven, you guys move up to Perth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so was that just a full family move, parents work, it made sense to move up there? Um, School for your kids? Yeah, it was, like, my brothers and sisters boarded for a little bit up in Perth, and then eventually, like, the whole family moved, so we could kind of stay that family unit, right? So, yeah, I went to school up there. It was a lot of playing sport. Yeah. As you can tell, like, I, I love think. sport, and I think a lot of elite athletes can relate to this, right? It's like, school is challenging. Mm. School is hard. Like, you know, I wasn't, I guess I was just, like, a little bit, like, dumb and, like, labeled dumb and a bit silly, and, like, sport was kind of, like, my outlet where, like, I could shine and, like, succeed, I guess. So, mm. very much through primary school, it was like that, and especially at high school, you know, I went to a private girls' school where, you know, the average ATAR is, you know... 90 plus and it's like I'm just scraping by so that was really challenging for me but yeah I did have that um outlet in sport I guess which I think has like shaped my life crazy and like there's really good things that have come with that but then bad things that have come with that as well so that was a bit of my childhood yeah it can be tricky as a young athlete it's like especially for one we miss so much school so it's like makes it hard to keep Mm -hmm. up academically but also I feel like we have teachers, we have people around us who their pro- their priority is to make you achieve at school. Whereas in your mind, in your world, in your reality, your priority is to get better at this sport. Because mm. from the research I've done, it sounds like you're into athletics from a quite a young age. So where did you first get introduced to, I guess, athletics? Because pole vault is a pretty specialized thing in athletics as well. Like yeah. I don't like pole vault was never at the school carnivals or anything yeah. for me. It's like pole vault specialized. So where did you get introduced to, I guess, little athletics is the start. Yeah. 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 So I guess, um, when it would come to like athletics day at school, I was like, I can't freaking wait. Sorry. Like I have a bit of a potty mouth, but like, no, I just fine, genuinely, like, you said freaking, you can freaking, swear. Freaking, I was going to say fucking, but anyways, it's <laughs> like, Anyways, like, I just could not wait for that day. Like, literally every year would come around and be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to, like, win and do something that, like, I'm really good at. Mm. And it feels good to, you know, do something you're good at. So I think I was under 11s when I started Little Athletics. I, like, begged my mom to take me. I'm like, please, please, please. You know, I was into gymnastics and dancing and hockey and sports like that. So mom was like, okay, I'll take you down to, like, the Little Athletics Club and... I just, like, genuinely, like, fell in love with it. I've, like, never loved something so much. No way. What was the start? Like, just running and, like... Yeah. So high jump and... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think when you're that age, you do everything. Yeah. Like, you do the 1500 down to, like, the shot put and, like, the hurdles. Like, you do everything. Yeah. So, it was really nice to be, like, what am I good at? What am I bad at? Like, what do I enjoy? Um... So, yeah, I just loved it. And then I was kind of at, like, a state relay event that all the clubs go to and compete. And Steve Hooker's coach, in 2008, he won an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. Um, 2009, he came down to this competition and identified maybe, like, 30 kids um, from ages, like, 10 to 13. Identified these 30 kids, sent out a letter, letter, um, come try pole vault kind of thing. I obviously knew who like it was and yeah I just went to this like go and try day and from those 30 kids there was like down to three and I was one of those three so 
Yeah, that's kind of like how I started. And how old were you here? Like 11 or something, 12? I think I was 12. Wow. So... Because Steve Hooker winning a gold is a massive thing. There's not many gold oh. medals in athletics for Australia no. in the history of the Olympics. So yeah. to win in a sport like that, was that something that kind of inspired you as a kid? Can you remember watching Steve Hooker on the TV in the Olympics or were like, you just before that? Yes and no. I think I would have been like 11 when I was watching it. So... Like, yes and no, I yeah. think is my answer. But I didn't watch him. I was like, holy shit, like, I want to do that. Yeah, it was yeah. more like, oh, my God, he's reached, like, the top. Like, he's reached the pinnacle of this thing. And it's like, that's what really, like, inspired me mm. kind of thing. So once you get identified, what was that first sort of experience with pole vault? What was the yeah. introduction to it? Because, yeah, it fascinates me. There's, like, so many questions that I'm going to continue to ask. But what was the first yeah. experience of picking up a pole and like how do you learn to even give it a try because it's dangerous you see the videos of people going up and going backwards and missing or like snapping poles and like yeah it's definitely probably the most dangerous sport in athletics it's it's so funny because everyone's like how did you start like it's so dangerous it's so scary and it's literally like we don't go back to like our full run up and jump this huge bar it's literally like you start from like a few steps you run up and you just like land on the mat and I think it's like any sport how you start but you know the years go in and you're like just getting over the bar and then it, more years go in and you're fully getting upside down and you know you're clearing higher heights so it's just like a pretty natural progression okay so that's when yeah. you're 12 and then yeah. obviously start high school mm. athletics training multiple times a week do you start having quite a bit of a success throughout like little athletics and state from that like 12 13 years old yeah for sure um I think I'm really lucky in the fact that I had like quite a lot of natural talent. I was, you know, quite gifted and I kind of just ran with that. You know, I was winning state championships. I was winning nationals and not just winning, but like smashing it, smashing it, like (laughs) to sound kind of humble, but that's, that's just what was happening. And I first represented Australia I think when I was 15, I made the world youth uh, team, I guess, for Australia. And that was like my first experience of like international competition. Um, I think I went in ranked like one or two and I think I came fifth. So wow. yeah, it was definitely like a bit of a learning curve. And I think that was like the start of like this crazy journey that I've been on. Yeah, so, let, yeah. let's talk about that. Going to world chance. How special is it getting your first Australian uniform? It was so exciting. Like <laughs> people like seriously, they're like, oh, I dream of like the green and gold. And like when it's actually happening, I think for the first couple of times, like you almost take it for granted well like i definitely especially when you're only did. 15 once you get yeah. older you look back and you're like wow that, that was, was actually crazy. so cool that i got to do that and i guess like to that point what had gotten me there wasn't hard work it was really like natural talent yeah. and then a few years went like went by and you know i was struggling to make teams and eventually when i made a team for like my hard work and my dedication and all the things that i value now that was when it was really rewarding. Mm. Yeah. I want to quickly talk about the last few years of high school. So you're obviously representing the country yeah. at 15, mm. maybe struggling a bit with the academic side from the way you kind of first started talking about it. Yeah. What were the, Did you finish year 12 or I don't know what it is in WA? Um, yeah, what were those last couple of years? And were you pretty locked in that you knew you were going to go into athletics post-school because... I don't know what the funding's like with athletics, but I feel like if it's anything like most of the other sports that aren't mm. sponsor, like surfing and stuff sports, pretty hard to make a career that's financially viable and a lot of training and a lot of expenses. So yeah, what were your yeah. what was your mindset going into the last year of school, what your future was going to look like? Yeah, I, I guess I always knew I wanted to be elite mm. in something. I didn't know what, but it was something. And I guess I found this pole vault thing and you know, the pole vault kind of headquarters for Australia is in Perth. So it's almost like I had this opportunity like handed to me on a silver platter and I would have been crazy not to take it. So when you went to the World Youth, that was specifically for pole vault though, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So track and field athletics. Um, And at the time I kind of felt like I was forced into it, right? A little bit. I definitely wasn't choosing to go to practice or training. It was kind of like you know, you're not consciously, like, making those decisions at 15, 16. You just do it, right? Yeah, it's just, it, 
works. It's yeah. here, you're good at it, you're yeah. winning. Okay. Yeah, so you're just kind of like going with the flow. Um, the last two years of high school, they were tough. Like, you know, going to an all-girls school especially, like my experience, it was really challenging. You know, there was a lot of mental health around. Um, I guess social media had just kind of started up and, you know, comparing and... Oh, just like the pressure and the bullying and it was pretty crazy I actually can't imagine what it would be like now but I struggled and lots of my friends struggled and I think we struggled in silence but in hindsight um, yeah everyone was kind of going through the same thing um, I definitely had like bouts of depression um, in winter I, it was terrible and in summer it was like really awesome Interesting. Um, yeah, and then I think also just struggling with, like, my grades as well, like, didn't really help. Mm. Um, it's hard. You, you're the best at something. Yeah. But then you go into your peer group and you're not achieving at the same level. It's pretty, like, contrasty. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you really get known as, like, oh, you're the athletics girl. Yeah. And you kind of get put into this box of, like, well, you're going to be a professional athlete and you're the athletics girl and, like, that's what we know you as. It was kind of like... I've got a good question for you okay. around this because this is yeah. something, this is what I talk about a lot. I felt the same as a junior athlete that my mm. identity was all tied up in Gosh. Cooper the pro surfer. Yeah. All my friends knew me as the pro <laughs> surfer. My family even knew me as... I knew... Mm. I thought of myself as Cooper the pro surfer. Mm. But then through work with my psychologist and anyone who listens to this will know that mm. I kind of had this lesson taught to me that was like, I want you to stop basing your self-worth and identity on your career and your achievements because if you're not achieving what you want to set out to achieve then you're going to be down yeah and i want you to start basing it on how well you can live to your values and i wish i got told that when i was 15 16 and had all these yeah. people around me seeing me as a young athlete achieving rather than learning that in my early 20s but can you relate to that a bit you felt like your identity was wrapped up in oh it too oh my gosh like you literally just hit the nail on the head um spot on and i think this has been like a huge part of my journey in the last and you'd still be dealing with this now like you're in the peak of your career yeah like it's definitely been like in the front of my mind for the last two years and you know i'm 25 now and when you're winning and you're succeeding and doing all amazing things like like you said your self-worth is tied up with that result Mm. and you know when you'd lose you'd feel terrible and people would be like no like we still love you like you're still amazing yes yeah, still you do you know what i mean it's the language yeah, right? yeah and you're like and that kind of makes you believe that yeah i am nina the athlete mm. well, it's kind of like what about nina the person right and people would say that and say that and i had this aha moment maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago, and Ben Crow is like a huge. Um, I love Ben Crow. Stuff. Dude, I'm obsessed with yeah, him. Game on the party. I've been yes. DMing him. He, he sees him, but doesn't write back. Okay, he'll write back eventually. He follows me, so. Epic. Step one. Step yes, one. Step one. Yeah, like he is like a huge inspiration of mine, and like he's honestly like changed my life. I don't work with him personally, but just listening and learning mm. and doing his mindset course, I really just had this aha moment where it was like, holy fucking shit my self-worth is not tied up with my performance and it just clicked and the it was weight drops off you. yes it was yeah. literally like this weight just like dropped off me and I like was so excited that I'd like figured this out and I remember like telling my parents and telling my like partner and telling like my coaches and my physio and they're like yeah like obviously and I'm like mm. yeah but like we're not given the tools to figure that out we're given the tools to win competitions yes Mm. and it's kind of like in that elite environment you have a coach you have a physio like you have a psychologist but where are those like mentors where are those like mindset coaches like where are those life coaches something just like a little bit off the traditional route and like that's what i really yeah there's high performance mindset Mm. coaches but like the people coaches is something that it's really hard to... Uh, I was lucky with Surfing Australia. They had, like, a um, Pathways coach. So she yeah. kind of, like, helped me a lot with the setup of Good Human Factory, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. And I just really lent into that. But I wasn't the very elite, so I kind of saw the sidestep. But do you guys have performance, men- like, uh, sports psychologists and stuff through Athletics Australia that you have access to? We do. Like, we definitely do. We have, like, a sports psychologist. But growing up and dealing, like, with, you know, bouts of depression and my mental health and trying to figure out like what the hell was my purpose what am I doing here I never really like connected with those like traditional forms of psychologists 
And I remember just thinking like, I need someone to teach me like how to be happy. Like Mm. that's literally all I need. And I went to this girl and she taught me about mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and just like all the good things that a traditional psychologist had like never said to me. And Mm. ever since that moment, I've really kind of gone down this like, I guess like the left side of just a bit different doing things like a little bit different and this holistic way of doing stuff yeah and like that's just like really worked for me and like now i'm obsessed with it so. <laughs> we're gonna catch back up because <laughs> I, I love that little tangent we went on because i feel like we are so connected and yeah. our stories are super aligned yeah. albeit surfing and um, pole vaulting very different but i want to get back into the pole vaulting in a bit through more of your career so mm. let's go to finishing high school what's that next chapter let's say 17 to 20 21 yeah. what's the pathway when it comes to pole vaulting what's the pathway when it comes to yeah your career because i'm yeah. sure like funding and having you might have to work on the side mm-hmm. or is there sponsorship that comes in at that age like yeah yeah what, what was that next three years after school like the three years after i left school was one of like the highest but like lowest few years like l- ever um so the year I left school 2015 I broke the world junior record so it was like holy shit like I'm kind of going like this is you know this is what I've chosen I'm fuck yeah like this is awesome like I'm the best junior that's like ever been in like this sport and how high was that record that was 4.459 yeah 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 so and kind of like from that I got um Athletics Australia funding. I got my first professional sports contract. So definitely from like a young age, you know, 17, 18, I had income coming in. Awesome. But it wasn't like enough to live off, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're working part-time cafe jobs and studying on the side and doing all those things. So that was 2015. The Olympics were the next year, 2016, Rio. And the qualifying was 450. So I'd kind of jumped nine centimeters higher. But you, to qualify for the Olympics, you have to do it in that year. So I'd done it the year before. You know, everyone's excited. Like, And are you doing that at training? Because I um, can imagine training and then on the stay, on the event, whole different thing. I bet you probably jump that consistently at training, like five in a row. Yeah. And then to an event, the whole, like the environment oh. would change, the energy, the... Yeah, like you're not wrong. So I guess, you know, when you're that young, you kind of just like had this expectation of like yeah this is the next step like I'm gonna go to the Olympics and like I said like a lot of my natural talent had kind of got me so far had there been many females like was there a female in the Olympic team for Australia for pole vault yeah there, there was, was a couple. yeah yeah um Alana Boyd uh she had the Australian record at the time and she's retired now but she went on to do like amazing things um so my parents bought tickets to the Olympics. I know, you know where this is going, right? Like everyone, like yeah, yeah. my whole extended family, my aunties, my uncles, my cousins, like everyone. Oh, so all you had to do was jump that at an official competition yeah. over one to yeah. oh, four fifty, and you're in the Olympic and team I'm for in Australia. The Olympic team. So you know the Olympic year comes around. I've just turned eighteen, so it's kind of like you kind of grow friends. up as a girl as yeah. well. Yeah, it's crazy. Like all your friends are going out, they're drinking, they're partying. You know you have your first like partner like I had this boyfriend and I was like obsessed with him and you know when that crumbles like your heart like literally first breakups the worst first breakup is the absolute worst yeah because I talk to kids at school all the time one of the things I say is like when I talk about things that bring our mood down is a breakup and I remember like high school was like I've never like <laughs> played the amount of things through my head that I did with my first breakup. I reckon. Oh, it's funny to like look back and talk about it now because I'm like, oh my god, I've moved on so much. But like, it's just funny to think like I was so heartbroken. Like physically, I couldn't train, and I was again like kind of going into one of like my depressive like episodes. And training was really hard, and you know, mixing like drinking and growing up and trying to figure out yourself. Like it was terrible anyways you know where the story is going but I didn't qualify for the Olympics you just had a few that your competitions weren't going well you weren't hitting your jumps I just wasn't hitting it like I just had an off year and if I'm honest like I just choked like Mm. I had this goal and I didn't make it and I choked and you know I don't regret that happening because obviously like your biggest learnings come from your Mm. biggest you know downs but you know when the Olympics were on just like 
being in the house by myself and like my whole family being at the Olympics. Oh, they all went. They all went. went. Yeah, because they got tickets, right? Oh my so god. they went on this like huge family holiday to with like Brazil. Yeah, oh I know. And I was just like at home at winter in Perth. It's like raining, and I was like, oh my god, like this sucks. Was that a motivator though to be like, you know what? I'm not gonna have this feeling again. I'm gonna like train harder and make sure. Or were you like, uh, yes and I'm no. Hard at eighteen. It was kind of just like. I've had so many moments like this throughout my career, but it's like, learn from this. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. Like, don't be like, what if, but like genuinely like just learn from this and like take that learning into like the next step of your career. So mm-hmm. that was like really my first, like really big, <sighs> big heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. Cause you've gone from this math. This is exactly what I talk about as when we're basing our, identity on our results you go on this roller coaster of high setting the world junior record like you everyone's loving me to this and it's like it's such a like contrast yeah so how do you bring yourself back the year after rio you've obviously got a four-year um olympic cycle to sort of now train towards to get to tokyo yeah what um what were those next few years like just world champs trying to do all yeah yeah so the next year 2017 i'd kind of pick myself back up I'd qualified for the world championships um, in athletics. It's the equivalent of the Olympics. It's the same qualifying standard. So, hell yeah, I'm going to world champs. So the next year you had to break 450 again and yeah. you did it? Yeah, and I did it. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so got 450 there. 450 for everyone, by the way, is four meters 50 up in the air over the very <laughs> high thing. I'm glad you clarified that. I guess <laughs> I hadn't really done that yet. But, yeah, got to world champs. I think I was... Um, that was in Beijing and I got to this competition and I was the youngest Australian on the team and on the field, in the competition field. And I came dead last. Wow. I know, like... Didn't didn't land a jump? like. Yeah, I know, heighted. So it's kind of like high jump, right? So you get three attempts at one bar and if you don't make the opening height, then you get like a zero next to your name. So... Yeah, I came dead last and it was kind of like, I really want to like explain pole vault because it's kind of like... Yeah, talk me through an event. You rock up to an event. Yeah, let's let's go through what an event day looks like for you. Okay, so like... um, Also, before you go... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long's the pole and how the hell do you travel with it? (laughs) Great question. People are like, don't they like um, fold up and you just no, put them in your can't. suitcase? It and wouldn't you're like, work like no, that. no, no, no. And what are they made? Are they bamboo? Yeah, I think they're fiberglass. You think? I should know this. Yeah, but I you don't. should. I'm just like, give me the polo jump, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're fiberglass. So you kind of like have a bag, you carry the, them in. Um, my poles are four and a half meters. Yeah. Um, men's poles can be up to like five meters, five meters 20. So they're pretty long. You put about eight to 12 of them in this tube and you're traveling with them on your shoulder around the airport, putting them to oversize, I guess, super similar to so yeah, 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 And you're right. really hoping they get there on the other end, not broken. Mm. So that's kind of how we travel. With so you them. travel with a quiver of poles. How many yeah. do you normally take? Yeah, so many. So like anywhere from like eight to 12. And you snap a fair few. You don't snap them, but it's kind of like... They, like, lose their straightness and stuff, like, bend out of shape, or...? No, like, the best way to describe it is, like, the higher you jump, the bigger bigger pole you need. So you're not going to start your competition at, like, the highest height. For example, like, you're a high jumper, you're not going to start at the world record. You're going to start low and then build up and next height, new pole kind of thing. Oh, okay, so different poles, like, have different spring almost in there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. Okay, now let's go back to explain an event. How does World Champs Beijing, first one yeah. where you come last in? Yeah. Rock up, event day. Rock up, event day. Explain. You do like an hour warm up um, and then you go to the call room, you know, you get your beer, you get ticked off and then you go out into the competition arena. You do another pole vault warm up. Um, and this is like you're still jumping over like just lower than the height? Yeah. Because watching the videos, all the ones even when you set the record, you still clear it by so much, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing your you're doing your pole warm up. So that's you know two and a half hours later, and then the competition starts, and then a competition can go from anywhere from you know thirty minutes to two hours, just depending who's in the field. But pole is an event where it's like if you're not in the right headspace or the right mindset, like 
you're not jumping today. Mm. Like literally all your eggs have to be in a row perfectly for like to get off the ground and to clear a height. It's a, it's like a 90% mental sport. And when I was younger, that's what I hated about the event. But as I'm older, it's something like I'm absolutely obsessed with about the event. Mm. So, yeah. So how many people are usually in like an event and then it's like, all right, everyone has to jump 420 or like 450 probably is probably yeah. the starting height if that's a qualifying height. Yeah. Everyone's going to jump. And then you can like choose to skip that height as well if you're like, no, nah, I reckon I've got 470 like to save energy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're spot on. So it's a real tactical event as well, which I really like. So you get three attempts at each bar. The bar normally goes up anywhere from... 20 to 5 centimetres depending where you're at in the competition and people get out and then yeah that's the and it just like keeps eliminating people until yeah. you get someone who jumps the highest height yeah that's how the winner is determined so in the Beijing one you had three attempts at the lowest height and you just couldn't get your head right and yeah done bombed out yeah so cutthroat like if you just have two average ones and then one you almost make it yeah. it's still done yeah it, it's cutthroat and you know, it's definitely not as cutthroat as like a hundred meters, right? If you do one misstep, you're behind and it's screwed. Whereas you kind of get like three attempts with our sport, which is really nice. But yeah, I came dead last at that that event. Um, the next year was the 2018 Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast. Oh yeah, where we are now, and I kind of like definitely picked myself up. You know, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and I came third at that event. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of like, oh, you know what? Like I am good at this and like I do love parts of the event and it feels, it still feels really good when I win, Mm. right? I get that validation from everyone around me and for myself and looking back, it's pretty toxic to think like that, but that's just like where I was. I love the honesty because I think it's important because so many people from the outside looking in are like, I think it's pretty common for an athlete once it becomes their job to start to lose the love of it like you said you started little athletics and you just loved it mm. finding that balance and it sounds like right now from where we're going to catch up to the last 18 months really since like so far we're so aligned <laughs> the way that it seems like you see the world now and the way you see your sport it seems like you're in a quite a healthy happy space but it wasn't always like that in this early part of your 20s yeah so yeah, let's talk about that Com Games on the Gold Coast, bronze medal, getting yeah. to see the Australian flag go up, like must have been special. It was awesome, you know, it was like a home crowd, so my family came over, my friends came over, and I like won a medal, and I just remember like crying so much, I was like, holy shit, like, <laughs> this is awesome, like I am good, I am worthy kind of thing, and yeah, that was really special, and that kind of definitely erased the last two years and made me realize like okay I can do this as a career and you know this whole time the last three years you know I'm still getting paid not enough to live on like I said but you know I'm still going in the right direction to eventually you know the goal of like any athlete um financial wise is to just do your sport full time Mm. and like fully commit to that so that's where my head was going, but I definitely wasn't there yet. With the bronze at Com Games, was there like more funding kind of attached to that, or because what you've got two more years then until Tokyo, yep. which ended up being three years. So what's uh, what's that next two year chapter like for you going from, um, yeah, going from Com Games to preparation yeah. for Tokyo to not like you call it the first time choking making that Olympic team. Yeah, um, very similar. So. You know, I'm, I'm making enough to kind of, like, live on and get by. I was working a cafe job, working reception job, you know, studying uni part-time. What were you studying? Um, I study a Bachelor of Behavioural Science. Oh, good on you. Which I'm, like, obsessed with as well. So Amazing. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this period just because it'll... It, I think it'll help people to understand the dedication that goes into it. Let's... Somewhat, let's talk about, like, a normal week of training balanced with uni, balanced with work. Like, yeah. How many training sessions, how many hours of work, how much uni are you doing? Because I think it's important for people to realise how much of a juggle. These people from the outside who watch you on TV like, oh, wow, look at this Nini girl. She's standing up there with the medal. But it's like, 
there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, let's talk about an average week when you're at home in Perth training in those couple year periods. Yeah, cool. I guess it's not a sport where you have to wake up super early, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, not swimming. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to training from anywhere from like 8 to 12. Um, on the track, practicing jumping? Yeah, or on, on the track, well? in the gym, I'm probably doing two jump sessions two weight sessions and two running sessions a week and then maybe like a yoga in there as well. So, you know, you're seeing the psychologist once a week, you're seeing the dietitian once a week, um, uh, massage as well. So that's kind of that. And then I'd work, you know, on my off day for, you know, like a normal working day from like six to two in a cafe. And then you're kind of just fitting study. I was probably doing two units, three max at a time um you're just fitting it around there so i don't know it's, just it's so hard to maintain the fight yeah it's crazy yeah. i think it's so cool to hear people who do juggle all of that mm. together so let's talk about leading to tokyo now yeah yeah so obviously like the olympics were meant to be in 2020 yeah yeah um i guess that's when covid hit and you know the world turned upside down and i know it was so hard for so many people but covid was like a blessing and it was like a massive milestone in my career so the olympics got pushed back a year 2021 you know everyone was in lockdown um it was crazy you know sport just literally got cancelled yeah. and it was i had nothing to do um you know i was doing uni online i wasn't working i was just kind of like getting by and it was just had you qualified to know you were going to, if it was in 2020, because it was like kind of yeah. up in the air for a while until yeah. last minute when it got postponed. Yeah, yeah. so I'd, I'd qualified. Yeah. I was on the team. I was going to the Olympics, like hell yes. And then, you know, they got cancelled. They got mo- moved back. If I'm honest, I wasn't in the best shape. I wasn't jumping that high. I was, you know, I was definitely in the mindset of, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn. The Olympics, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to like enjoy it. You know, yeah. I really hadn't, hadn't hit that like professional elite level yet. So COVID happened and um, this is kind of like when everything changed. I just had an opportunity to stop, to learn about myself, to really like figure out why the hell I was doing this crazy sport that makes me so upset at times, but so high at times. Like, why am I doing literally. it? Literally. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. literally. Excuse the pun. <laughs> um so it was my sister's birthday. She's seven years older than me. And we went on this camping trip in the middle of winter for her birthday. We had like a fire and we were hiking up this mountain at sunrise. And she kind of bought all her work friends and they had like a really cool work environment. Really cool. They do like Tony Robbins stuff together. And we kind of hiked up this mountain and I got chatting to this guy who worked with my sister and... At the time, he didn't tell me he was like a life coach, but we just connected on this like super cool level. We talked about everything like mindset, um, nutrition, like just mastery really. And we got to the bottom of the mountain and he was like, hey, like this is what I do for work. I think we could like really connect. I think I could really help you. And that was kind of like the first moment where I was like, fuck yeah, like why not try something different? Like Mm. I'm so curious about this dude. I'm so like curious about what I can learn. And we started working together maybe like once a week and my mindset and my life just like honestly changed. We went through like everything. Mm. Um, and probably at the end of 2020, I was just this new level of athlete. I was elite. I had this elite mindset and like, honestly, like my dreams were so damn big. What were some of the things that changed? What was like some of the mindset aha moments of like, oh wait. I don't need to be held by by that thought or by that self-belief or that assumption. Yeah, I I think with him, so we worked together for about a year, but definitely the first six months, it was like the fundamentals changed and we definitely outgrew each other. But in those first six months, it was simple ass things like um, nutrition, hydration, sleep. You know, I did this six month sleep study and we just found out these crazy things and I really just became this new level of athlete. It was nothing like really specific, but it was just like, get their foundations perfect. Mm. And then you can kind of build on that. So I had this goal of breaking the Australian record, you know, we were working together and he was like, well, what do you really want to achieve? And I was like, well, I want to be like the best Australian that's ever been. Right. 
482 uh, 481 was the record and I was like that is so damn high like I really can't do that and you know six months or you know maybe eight months after working with him I'd broken that record and yeah it was just kind of life was crazy everything was really good so the Olympics were in four months time 2021 and you just break what was it like breaking the Australian record what event was that at um, so that was at the Sydney Track Classic and yeah, I broke this record and it was just like insane. It was like, holy shit, I worked so hard for this and like I really didn't think I could do it. But like that was the first time where I really put in genuine conscious effort and something paid off to be and the best like yeah. yeah holy shit like my mind can do anything i put it to and what about are you jumping that height in training and you're like i know i can do this <laughs> or is it all right at the event i've got the adrenaline i'm yeah. gonna get that bar a little higher i'm just gonna go for it um like yes and no you always you always know when you're in good shape yeah, so you yeah. know in training i'm jumping 460 470 and then yeah, in a competition a good one yeah yeah like you just go up a little bit more right so um that was early 2021 the olympics were in four months i'd just broken the australian record at the last olympics a bronze medal jumped 480 so you know i was you're in contention for a medal if you have a blinder yeah yeah you know like why not like why not me um if not you then who right like yes so that was my goal um yeah, I, I wanted to win a medal at the Olympics. Like, that was just my thing. Talk me through that experience. I read some stuff about it that made it a hard oh, one boy. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is when life goes crazy, right? So, um, you know, four months out from the Olympics, broken this record, hell yeah, like, I'm on fire, let's go. Um, you know, I had three or four, like, pretty hectic injuries in the lead-up to the Olympics. I, you know, two weeks out from the Olympics, I tore my quad you know I've strained my glute um things just weren't going well um we get to the olympics I wasn't in shape I wasn't jumping well I was already anxious you know COVID was crazy we were locked in this village it was it wasn't the like the olympics that I dreamed of because mm, you guys had to compete with no crowd as well just going on this carrying some injuries into it I read somewhere that on your Australian record when you broke it you tore your calf yeah. at the start of that event yeah did you have a little bit of confidence in knowing that you can overcome because a lot of athletes do compete injured and compete very well because sometimes we can block it out and let the adrenaline take over did you carry yeah. a little bit of confidence from that knowing that you'd overcome injury and still broken the record for the olympics or was it like wow this is a big stage i don't have that confidence with an injury going into this it was kind of like a pobot's definitely a sport where you need consistency on consistency on consistency Mm. months and months and months of it and if you don't have that like you're really not jumping high bars that's just kind of like how the sport works so if i'm honest i hadn't had good training in four months and yeah, I knew I wasn't going to jump high. It was kind of like, just get there and do the best you can and like really just do it for yourself. You know, this year isn't going to be the year you win medals. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where my head was at. So we got into the village. Obviously, COVID was, you know, new and crazy and I didn't really know much about it. And my training partner, my coach and myself, we got like, we literally got like escorted out of the village the Olympic Village and put into this hotel room because we like came in contact with someone who had COVID and there was a no COVID policy in the village. So if you had COVID, you weren't competing at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Like your dream was done. So um, the Australian team like did us a real good solid, put us in this isolation hotel. And if we didn't test positive, we were still allowed to compete. But that meant like a week out from like the biggest event of our lives. We were ordering Uber Eats. We didn't have fresh air we weren't allowed to train like it was just like i was locked in this oh my god the mental battle must have been so hard yes like i have never experienced um anxiety or panic attacks or anything but that day that we got put in there it was literally like oh my god like i i don't know what to do like i'm so anxious you know my phone is blowing up i'd had like 50 missed calls didn't know if I was allowed to compete. Like my world was just kind of like falling apart in front of me. Like this is my biggest goal ever. And this is my preparation. Like, Mm. 
oh, like I can't really explain it, but it was horrible. And, and then most people from the outside, there's probably hype, like Nina Kennedy, new yeah. Australian, broke the record. Yeah, she's coming to the Olympics, but people amazing. don't know you're locked in this back room. It's like, the, uh, for one, thank you for sharing all this no, because I feel like people fine. don't get to know this part of athletes and I think yeah. it's important that they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about what happens then. So I'm in this room and I'm like, I can't train. Like, I haven't been able to train properly for four months with all my injuries. My mentals are terrible. Like, I don't want to go out there and compete. Like, I'm fucking shit scared. Like, I'm going to, like, embarrass myself. I'm not going to, you know, jump to my potential. Like, the whole yeah, world is be, watching. Yeah, right? it must be hard because all of Australia thinks, yeah, she's going to yeah. do her Australian record, yeah. jump again. Like, yeah. that pressure of that and then you being yeah the preparation not being there the injuries you're carrying like people must be like oh yeah anyway keep going so let's talk about the event it was crazy so i was at the point where i was like i don't want to compete like this is too much i can't sleep at night my heart is racing at 2 a.m like this is horrible i don't want to go out there and embarrass myself and i think in that moment it really taught me like what I value and in hindsight like I learned that Mm. and I definitely wouldn't change it for the world because like I said you know your biggest growth and learnings come from your lowest time so was there some things that you'd learned from this life coach that you felt might have helped a little bit through that time about like learning who you were a bit I'm like like yes and no it was kind of disappears when you get locked in a room oh yeah like like, you're just you're in fight or flight and you're really in survival mode right so I just wanted to go out there, change the narrative. I wasn't doing it for anyone else but myself. Like, I knew where I was at and I was like, just go out there, do the best you can and, like, make yourself proud because, like, that's all you can do right Mm. now. Like, block out the noise, just do it for yourself. And that's what I did. I think I came, like, 12th or 13th. I didn't make the final, but I've never been, like, more proud of myself for, like, doing that and Mm. competing. And, like, for me, that, like, meant the world, you know, from an outsider's point of view who didn't know my story. It was, like, you know, she choked, whatever. Like, you know, she was in for, like, a medal and she didn't do it. Like, whatever. Like, move on. Yeah, for you, you got out there and still cleared some jumps and worked your way out the field. Good on you. How many people are in the the Olympics? Uh, 32. Good on you. That's top top. It's massive. Thank you. So, yeah, so that happened, and then I probably took a break from pole vault for, honestly, like, three months. Like, I didn't want to go near it. Wow. Like, I was just, like, yeah. hated it. Yeah, yeah, a bit of time. Um, yeah, so that was the last Olympics. Wow, and then we've gone a couple of years since then. So the year after that, yeah. Birmingham, Com Games. Yeah back obviously at your best you bring home a gold medal there for australia which for one congratulations absolutely insane yeah um i've had harry garside on this podcast he got a bronze i'm sure you're probably friends with him in that olympic village (laughs) there's um a lot of really cool stories that came out of that i had ali simpson on who's cody's brother talking to her about she was there for it Mm. it seemed like it was nice to have events with crowds again and actually the experience be what the Olympics and the Com Games experience is meant to be like, which is support from your country, big crowds cheering. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the um, three months that's passed of you not wanting to pole vault for a minute. Yeah. And then when does the refocus go, all right, Birmingham next year? So three months off was like the best thing that I could have ever done. And I think the most growth I've ever done in my career came in the two to three months after that. And... Like I said, like I have, you know, I was just on this journey of like, let's be the fucking best I can be. Let's absorb everything. Let's learn. Let's research. Like, you know, why can't I be the best? And I just discovered some really cool things about myself. So that was when I discovered that, you know, my self-worth isn't tied up in my performance. And, you know, I can go out there and compete and lose and I'm still a good human like mm. it's fine and I'm still the same person even if I do win and that's fine as well um where did you learn that stuff you said Ben Crow what just what, yeah. what resource was the first thing that gave you this shift in perspective because I feel like people are listening going like fuck I want this what did you, yeah, <laughs> what did you find yeah, out yeah. tell me more like it just came from like listening and learning and reading and you know Brene Brown's work is awesome. Mm. Ben Crow, Hugh Van Kylberg, um, Oprah, Jay Shetty. Like, I just yeah, all these learned, like, inspiring people. Everything. And I was like, 
to be the best I can be, I got to know myself the best and figure out what works for me and just go on this like self-discovery journey. So that's what I did. Um, one of the biggest things that happened was in the lead up to, it was probably like January of 2022. And I had a, you know, I think I strained my quad or something. I had a little injury and I was relieved and I was like, why the hell am I relieved for having an injury? Like, I feel like it's okay. Mm. And I wasn't upset that I had an injury. And I was like, I shouldn't feel like this. Like, what does this mean? And I kind of like thought about it more. And I kind of came to this discovery that I was scared of failing. Mm. If I was It injured. was nice to have an excuse. Yes. It was mm. so nice to have an excuse. I didn't have to go out there and fail and embarrass myself and... Um, that's when I realized like my self-worth was tied up in my performance. If I failed, it was like, you're useless. And I had an excuse to get out of that. And I had this huge aha moment and I was like, oh my God, wow. Um, so yeah. ego, we don't like our ego getting bruised, isn't it? It's so it's real. Yeah. Once you like learn more, of, I'm sure you've probably done a lot of ego work and read yeah. probably stuff about that. It sounds like you kind of went, actually... No, I don't need to listen to this bullshit voice in my head telling me that, like, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, that was crazy. Anyways, I went on and had, like, an awesome season that year. I came third at the World Championships in America. And, you know, that's the equivalent to our Olympics. And I won a bronze medal. Like, that's when I really started to believe, like, oh, my gosh, I belong. This mm. is what I want to do. Hell yes. And then I went on to win a gold at the Commonwealth Games. Again, awesome. Let's talk about Com Games because that's cool, a cool, cool experience. Yeah, let's do it. I watched a bunch of your highlights and I, I haven't watched too much of your stuff, obviously, from earlier in your career. But watching the Com Game highlights, the energy sounds exactly kind of how you've been explaining it. It looked like you were lighter. It looked like you were smiling. You were super happy. You were enjoying the experience. Yeah. Is that how it felt? Because that's how it kind of looked watching some of the highlights. Yeah, like you're spot on. Um, I guess through that journey, I just learnt to like love my sport. Like I'm obsessed with what I do mm. and I'm so grateful I get to do it. And I think with that gratitude and like love just comes this like energy that you can't really get if you don't love it. Mm. Um, so yeah, the com games were awesome. Um, my parents were there, you know, my training partners you were there. You actually competed at this one. I know. <laughs> my parents were like, oh, thank goodness. Like, <laughs> Bought the tickets after you qualified. Yeah, literally safe. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was so cool. It was just really nice to come out there and like literally just like dominate the field and yeah, win that medal and yeah just stand on that podium and like hear the national anthem it was funny like when I was singing the national anthem did you feel relief or did you feel ecstatic Um, a lot of athletes say they feel relief when they win medals at the top of podiums it it wasn't really like a relief it was more like I don't really know how to explain it it was like hell yes like like you set a goal and you like set out and you did it so like well done like I'm so proud of you it was more like Mm. yeah just that good on you so then post com games what that was last year now what's um what's been life since then where do you see the next couple years obviously um olympics in tokyo wasn't the experience that all the olympians that have ever been have Mm. had it was such a different experience which i think looking back you'll probably be like well that was cool that i got to do it like that yeah is the big goal now paris 2024 that's kind of vision yeah. moving forward yeah you've nailed it so you know I've had this awesome career you know I finished the season ranked second in the world we have like a ranking system in athletics so I'm second in the world never kind of thought I could get there but I did and I feel like that with everything I've learned has really given me like the permission to like dream mm. and that's what I'm doing right now and I'm going after my goals and dreams like as hard as I can and this is like a really refreshing um, feeling in my career and I'm just obsessed with it. Mm. So, no, I think it's exciting. You can see it in your face. It yeah. seems like, I mean, obviously I didn't know you until today, but yeah. you can see this excitement and passion mm. for what's to come in the future. And I think it's a really exciting time being obviously a young female athlete here in Australia to inspire younger generations. Like, is yeah. that something that's important to you? I feel like the energy that you're bringing 
can definitely inspire a younger generation. Is that that's something that's important to you as well? For sure. I, I think it's just not just athletes. I think it's anyone exactly. just giving yourself permission to like set goals and what you think are unrealistic dreams, but like just set them and like see what you can do. Like go mm. after them as hard as you can. Like why do I have to read and see other people's success? Like why can't that be me? Mm. Like I'm I'm just really obsessed with that at the moment. So yeah. Yeah. I love that mindset. Like I said it before this little sentence of like if not you then who it's like well somebody's gonna win these big events why not me like yeah. if i work hard like mm. be feeling deserved is so, like such a battle that we all feel but yeah i think it's um exciting what's to come for you obviously at the top of your field right now it's been incredible to get to hear your story and catch up to yeah. where you're at i just want to quickly ask you about injuries how have you overcome and dealt with sort of the mindset that comes with a big injury that sets you back. Like, how do you stay focused post and, like, throughout injuries? It's a good question. Um, you know, you get injured, you know, the old me, you feel sorry for yourself. Why me? Why this? Why now? Like, you don't really ask critical questions to learn from it and get better. Um, so that was kind of the old me, and now I get injured, and it's kind of like, okay, well, like, what went wrong why did it go wrong what can we do better how can we stop this you know in the future and my physio has this really nice analogy he likes to use and it's called like the risk bucket so it's like what life stress is going on are you moving house are you in exams are you fighting with your partner and it's not one moment in training where you ping a hamstring it's kind of like what about all those other things are you sleeping right are you eating right like something has caused this so really like you know, sleuthing to get to the bottom of like why this has happened is kind of like the mindset I like to use now. And it really is just a tool to help you discover yourself even more. So mm. I love that. And I think anybody can get something that whether you're an extreme, I mean, an, a top level athlete or not, mm. I think when things start to go wrong in our life, whether it be an injury or whatever it be, you keep getting sick not just looking at the what's happened but try and look at the root cause and I think yeah. it comes uh, obviously with mental health and mm. the way that you've started to learn about it it seems like you're very happy and it's not with the traditional system of here take these SSRIs yeah. here it's like all right are you sleeping right are you eating nutritional yes. food are you getting sunlight are you exercising obviously you exercise a lot but like all of these pillars all of these domains in our life if any of them are lacking then it compounds into other parts of our yes. life. And I think a lot of people are starting to become aware of this, but I think it's important that we continue to spread this message. Yes, like you're spot on, you know, like the simplest things is like hydration, nutrition and sleep. Are you doing those things well? Then like, yes, okay, now let's do them to like the best of your bloody ability. Mm. Like, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, it's, just, it's doing the little things really well. Yeah. I'm like learning that. Like I've got like an aura ring now. I try and track my sleep. Hey, oh, you got a gold one on too. There you go. Ooh, matching. And I got the auras. Apple Watch. I got it all. That It's like how much so can good. I find these little things that can potentially benefit my life? But yeah. this has been incredible. I've absolutely loved getting to yeah. learn a bit more about Pole Vault. It's... um. Something that I've never actually tried and I really want to one day because it looks fun, <laughs> but it looks like it's to get to a point where it actually looks cool is probably too much training for me to dedicate <laughs> the time to. But one day, but one day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully try and get over to Paris. I reckon I've interviewed so many Olympians, become yeah. friends with so many yeah, yeah. people now that I'm like, it'd be fun to come and get to watch the Olympics when you're supporting people that you've mm. connected with. Oh so gosh, hopefully not? I'll buy tickets once yes. you qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so funny. Like mum was buying tickets the other way, the other day and she came over to my house and, well, you know, it was Oh, for Birmingham. Oh, no. I mean, for, no, no, sorry. For yeah, Paris. for Paris. And, she, and we bought the tickets. And, like, my family's coming, my partner's coming, like, all my friends are coming. And she just looks at me and she's like, you better qualify this time. Oh. <laughs> it's like, up, I mom. love you, but, like, shut up. Don't, don't but, put the marker on. Yeah, don't jinx me. But, um, yeah, love that humor from her. But, yeah, I'm sure I'll be there. Touch wood. Absolutely. You will be. I can't wait. I'm going to be there to watch as well. Uh, the last question I do finish every one of my podcasts with, you might have heard it if you're listening to Hughes, so yeah, if you yeah. got to the end of mine, so yeah. I ask everyone the same question. I'm excited to hear your answer. So what does being a good human mean to Nina Kennedy? Oh, I love that question. Um, being a good human. Let Take your time. Just, it takes a bit to think one. about it. 
Um, There's no right or wrong answer. Everyone's answered differently, so it's quite nice to hear everyone's unique at this moment in your life what being a good human means to you. I think it's just like figuring out what being a good human means to yourself. Mm. So what are your values? What do you align with? And really just like going after them with like your whole heart and like doing the best you can. And if that is like love or mastery or like connection, whatever that means to you, like just doing it at the best of your ability. I love that. So yeah. Just a way to change your own world and make the world that you live in a better place. It's, um, yeah, I think everything always leads back to values. Who are you as a person? How do you connect with that the most? But you seem like a very good human. The last hour has been amazing getting to hear your story. (laughs) Where can anyone find you if they want to? I feel like a lot of people listening now are hopefully going to want to follow your journey, follow this next couple of years of your career. You're obviously at the pinnacle right now, second in the world. It's um, super exciting to share the room with you, but also just hear the excitement that you have for the next couple of years. Um, yeah, so where can anyone find you? I'll leave everything in the show notes, but yeah, cool. Um, I'm really just on Instagram. So congratulations, hundred K just happened oh, last, yeah, couple, yeah. last week or so. Thank you. Yeah. So just Nina Kennedy, um, with an underscore at the end. So cool. Yeah. I don't post anything crazy, but it's just a little insight into my life. So yeah. I mean, you don't need to jump on over your pole vault <laughs> things and That's Olympics <laughs> and Commonwealth games. It's pretty crazy to yeah. the normal person. So I will leave that in the show notes. Make sure you go follow Nina. It's um, really exciting to hear young Australians chasing their dreams, making an impact in a sport that isn't known in Australia. You know what I mean? It's not like we're pushed into it at school and stuff mm. to make your mark globally is, um, yeah, really amazing. So congratulations on everything. I'm excited to follow the journey. and Thanks for jumping on Good Humans nice. Podcast. Nice. Thanks, Cooper. Um, this has been really fun. I really appreciate it. Amazing. You're Yay. the best.